Darren Garrahy, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter, to feeling laughed at, to if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Imagine living in the moment like a dog. You know when your dog's outside looking in through a glass door or something? Yeah. It's like, let me in, please. Oh, Jesus, you have to let me in. Please, I have something, I need to do something. It's so important. PJ fucking hell, let me in. You let him in. What do you want to do? I want to go out. That's it. <laughs> One, it's just about the process. Actor, comedian and radio broadcaster PJ Gallagher is my guest this week. He tells me about growing up in a madhouse in Rohini, finding his passion through riding a motorbike and how he, unlike the rest of my guests so far, takes sheer joy out of having the last laugh. I hope you enjoy. PJ Gallagher, you are extremely welcome Thanks to the laughs much. of it. Can I finish? Oh, sorry. Yeah, go on. <laughs> this is your bit. You just give me a cue. Give me a hand signal. You're very welcome to the laughs of your life. Oh, that was my bit. How are you? Thanks, Darren. <laughs> I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I feel like this is the second thing I've roped you into this month because I was down on Dunleary East Pier there about three weeks ago with my dad uh, who runs Dublin Bay Cruises shameless yeah. plug and you were just strolling along and came over to say hello as you do in a lovely friendly way yeah well I saw your sister on the on the, uh, on the deck and I met her before because we had done a show so I was I'll go over and say hello yeah, yeah. and then I didn't realise that cause you social media queen of the world was there with your cameras and shit out and I'm like wearing a, tra- wearing a blue a teal blue tracksuit <laughs> Uh, and I've got the worst facial hair in the world going on at the moment. I look like a really failed extra from Narcos. And, I, and my life boat jacket. I was like, Jesus Christ. And you're like, can I take a photo? I'm like, you might as well. I'm like, I should have been embarrassed coming out in the first place. So you might as well show but the whoever time, you want. The timing was deadly because you'd been on with Ray Darcy the night before talking about the RNLI. So yeah. I was like, it's fresh off the TV. We have PJ Gallagher. Put that up. And then I was like, fresh right. Fresh off the TV. We caught this guy walking around look like a, looking like a drug dealer on Dunleary Pier. Less than 12 hours later. <laughs> and then while you were still, while I was still maybe on your mind, I was like, right now I'm going to strike and ask him, will you do the podcast? So I roped you in again. Thank you very much for doing it. No, I'm delighted to do it. Yeah, I've been listening. It's been great crack so far. Good. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's great. Okay, we'll launch into the first question. Uh, PJ, your first memory of laughter. Yeah, like this, it's such a weird question to ask. I know it's sort of a straight question, but then you have to remember, like, I've done a lot of fucking laughing in the last <laughs> many years. Jesus Christ, I'm 44 next week. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. You look great. Huh? You look great. No, no, <laughs> I really don't. Just the bits I show you. Just, <laughs> just the hands, Jeez. hands and neck. <laughs> Everything else doesn't. Yeah, but that's it. Well, uh, yeah, so, so I've done a lot of laughing over the years. Uh, but I was thinking about, the, like, the, the one thing that I remember, like, the first time I remember laughing in a group, you know, well, that's the one that matters, was watching TV. And, like, I was like, I think, like, most kids who were born when I was born, like, when shit was black and white and the famine was just over and that, and, like, uh, it was like you were raised by the TV. So it was, like, pre-internet and all that. And, like, I remember, like, my old man would be gone a lot. Because it was the 80s. So when men had kids, they sort of went to the pub and came back when they were in their 20s. Uh, And he went out a lot. And my ma was like always the one working and doing her bits and pieces in the house. Because my childhood was so weird, like and messed up and all, you know. I don't know if you know about the show we made. Yeah, yeah. All the shows and stuff. And like it was like half a psychiatric hospital. Like it was (laughs) mental shit. Uh, And I remember the one time that whenever we get together to watch TV, it was always comedy stuff. It was always be Markham Wise stuff and all of that. And I remember my old man would watch Faulty Towers. And my first and earliest memories from really like 
pissing myself laughing was watching him watching Faulty Towers. Love because it. whatever it was about that, like he, like it wasn't new even then. And no matter how many times he saw these episodes, he would literally have tears in his eyes. Like the only time I saw him cry was when he was laughing his arse off. And it was always at that same stupid fucking show. <laughs> it was always a, like Basil and Manuel having these like unable to understand each other moments. Basil the Rat and the Germans. And I think it was this episode where they, he bets on a horse. He gets Manuel to bet on a horse. I can't really remember. And then he tries, he tells Manuel, whatever happens, this never happened. So you never tell anyone, I gave you the money for a horse. And then, of course, he needs him to come clean. And that's the one time Manuel does the cover up and it's like a disaster. Uh, and my old man thought it was so funny, like tears in his eyes. But for me, the real crack was watching him. Yeah. It's like secondhand have, laughter. Yeah, secondhand laughter. Like the real show was like, the other side of the camera. It was watching my old man in his seat, just like pissing himself laughing. Yeah, and I then, get that watching my granddad watching Mrs. Brown's Boys because I don't find it that funny. Yeah. But he's obsessed with it. And it is that. It's the joy you get from watching them. Yeah, I think so. I like Mrs. Brown's boy. I have to be honest. It's fish and chips, right? <laughs> it's fish and chips. And here's all of us comedy idiots walking around like, trying to get our fucking Michelin star for years. And then Brendan O'Carroll opens a chipper on the corner. And who doesn't love fish and chips, right? It, you know, so it's like, it That's does what it does. the best description ever. It's fish and chips. You sit down on a Friday. You let yourself go a little bit. Yeah, you feel a bit guilty. Fuck it. But it was brilliant. You enjoyed it. It's fish and chips comedy. I think it's brilliant. It it's a, something that all of us got wrong and he got right I think that is very I mean, true I love that description yeah I'd love to show that to my dad actually because I know I know he'd die laughing really I know it would kill him laughing yeah. like if you say uh, that Christmas special where she got into the tree and she it starts spinning <laughs> Spin. around like not even logic it's not even a sensible <laughs> yeah. gag like what Christmas trees don't do that there's no machine in the Christmas tree and, and the <laughs> bloopers I do love when, when they're oh, yeah. when they fuck it up and they, they try to keep going and they start to start the scene again and all that stuff yeah, it is he's good. actually great at that stuff yes. he's really good at that stuff yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and bloopers are just funny anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the afterlife bloopers on Twitter oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're brilliant like Ricky Gervais is the king of bloopers I need to watch that is it great have you not watched it no Oh, you have to watch. You have to watch it. It's, it's amazing. amazing. Yeah, like I know everyone's saying it's like the best TV ever made ever, and that's the end of it, and that kind of ruins it. Yeah, because uh, it's not. Because you go into it and you're like, oh, why yeah. do people say that? I, I know. Yeah. If I had found it myself, I would have enjoyed it. Yeah, and I watched it too early, so for me it was brilliant. Yes. Yeah, but it's really, really good. Okay, yeah, I'll loads watch of that. heart in it, and yes, yeah, it's, it's really enjoyable. Okay, yeah. so that's on my list. Okay, See, my so my old man wouldn't laugh at that. No, because he'd be there. What are they start saying? Shit, I'm not into this. What's going on? They're trying to give me messages and all. <laughs> Where's the woman on the tree spinning around? <laughs> we all do. What's that accent? That's the elephant. That's the accent I always do for me, Dad. <laughs> oh my god! So okay, so TV when you were a kid, and what was childhood like apart from that? Well, it was a bit mad. Yeah, like it was. It was fucking mad. Like for I, anyone who might know. Right, for everyone that might know, I tried to do stand-up on my childhood loads of times, mm. and I couldn't do it. So I had to write two separate shows <laughs> for theatre to fit it in. <laughs> uh, so I was I was adopted when I was born. I was born in uh, Bespera House in Cork, right? Mm -hmm. So a mother and baby's home. Yeah. Uh, so I don't obviously remember that. Uh, and then uh, I didn't really understand any of that until quite recently, actually. And then, so I was born there, and I was put into foster care in Finglas. And obviously I have no memory of that either. And then I was adopted into Marino by my folks, now, my folks like, did the best they could, but it was the 70s, and I think you kind of, you could adopt a kid with a postal order back then. Like, they kind of delivered us to pubs and everything. <laughs> I swear to God, like, I think they probably turned up with a car full of kids and just says, which one do you want? 
Like it was just a different world. Like it was a different world. Oh uh, anyway, they got me and uh, <laughs> my sister not long after. And then um, me that me that ran a pub and that. So then things changed in the pub. <laughs> in other words, it was gone, and they had to do something else to make money. And it was the early eighties, and there was no such thing as a really a mental health. In the it wasn't actually it was none. There was mental. You were mental or you had health. That was it. <laughs> that was the eighties. There was no mental health. I'm struggling with my mental health. No, you're fucking not. You're grand. Like, <laughs> suffering with your mental health meant you were walking around with your pants off. Like, it was just, you were two different worlds. Like, it was two different worlds. I think anybody that didn't feel something wrong with them was just like, you know, there was, they were probably seen as mental. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, so, <laughs> and at the time, the, the Eastern Health Board, which were to become the HSC later, mm. uh, they tried this experimental program, right? So it was those three houses in Ireland, three I think it was three houses in Ireland where they took people who were schizophrenics, um, or they had like really bad institutionalized stories, whatever in their past, mm. and they put them in domestic homes to be looked after by families. And ours was one of those three houses. Okay. So it was me and me mom, me dad, my sister. And the dog in the gaff. And then six schizophrenic, like, and like, yeah, lunatics. Like, it was, it was fucking mad on the other side of the house. So you're kind of growing up, and this was your normal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it was. Were you exposed to them, like, yeah, day to day? Yeah, of course you were. Yeah, you'd be like, I'd walk home from school some days, and like, there'd be a guy in the hall. I remember one guy, and he was like, uh, he used to think he was getting chased by this Spanish-speaking gorilla, which is the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. And you'd have to help him. Like a, so you'd be talking to a, an empty corridor going, yeah, go on, leave him alone. Fucking, he'd be gone now in a minute. And then that's okay. That had remedied that situation. How age would you have been doing that? I don't know, 10? Like, young, like young. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when, and that's why I had to write a show for it, because you, you can't do this in stand-up. <laughs> in stand-up, you know the way you can do, I was walking down the road the other day. Or, you know when you're in school. And uh, and everyone can relate. Yeah. But when you come home and say, you know when you come home and there's six sick schizophrenic lads in the gap, <laughs> and your dad's drunk, so they haven't eaten that day. You know, you... <laughs> Like, everyone goes, what fucking story is this? No, I don't know what you're talking about. This is a ridiculous story. And so you go, right, this is going to need a bit more explaining. So I think we'll do this in the Abbey. Because <laughs> it's not going to work in the comedy cellar. We're going to have to think of a different stage. You know what I mean? Your ma's having a nervous breakdown, drinking wine out of Hoover. Your dad's asleep. Them lads want their lunch and you're trying to do a fucking entrance exam for secondary school. You're like, no, this is not something that's going to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, no, it's not working. So, oh so you come up with it. So yeah, yeah, I had to do a different show. Uh, yeah, so that's why it probably, when it comes to, so when you ask me, what was, what, what did you laugh at? Fucking Faulty Towers was the biggest relief in the world. Sitting around watching TV. Your elf will cry and laugh and you're on. Well, for a start, you're here. Congratulations. It's good to see you. And uh, she's not looking, having a nervous breakdown because she's been left with us lot. And them. Uh, so, yeah, it's great. Let's all enjoy the telly for a half an hour before it kicks off again. Before somebody decides to drown themselves in the bath or whatever was going on. You know, so, yeah, it was, it was a bit mad. Yeah, it was a bit mad. And if they go to school and they say sit down and be quiet, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to fucking do that. You know, you go to school, you're, you're, you used to call me parents and say, he's very disruptive. Jesus Christ, he's the quietest person in the house, they were probably thinking. <laughs> like, we can't get a word out of him. No. <laughs> oh, my 
my yeah. god. So yeah, it was yeah. So yeah, uh, what was he trying to? Do? It was like that. It was a bit mad. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, was what a... was the question again? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but yeah, your childhood in general. So I think yeah, that's, so we've got general gist. Yeah. yeah, and like I didn't like school. School wasn't for me. Like the whole idea of sitting down and concentrating was never. Was, no. it, was it not for you? No. No, no, no. I okay. hate. Like I hated it. I hated every day in every school did I went you? to. I really did. Yeah. Okay. What do you mean every school? How many were you? Oh well, not primary school and secondary All school. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I yeah, thought no. you were going to be like, yeah, no, I had to be moved from school to no, school. No, thankfully, no. No, no so I've been in. I've been in as many families as I have schools. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so no, I thankfully uh, no, just two schools. But as soon as I was 16, I was gone. Were you? Yeah, yeah I was. Yeah, I was gone. And Couldn't I knew it. it was going to be gone. Like, yeah. if I stayed in school, I don't know what I'd be doing. Yeah. Definitely would have been something shit. <laughs> like, it would. No, you would have found your way. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I've done, I would have been shit. You don't think you would have ended up where you no, are now? No, I definitely wouldn't. No, definitely not. The only reason I do stand-up is because I found out I could do it. Yeah. That was it. Like, I'm shit at everything else. <laughs> so, thankfully, stand-up was a thing. You have a successful so, breakfast show, so you can do other things. Yeah, but that came out of stand-up as well. Okay, fine. Do you know what I mean? Okay, Talking fine. shit then. <laughs> but I, don't, I wouldn't have done it. I definitely wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have had the confidence to do it. No. School was stripping the confidence off me all the time. Because yeah. going into school every day, and they're saying, you're not trying, and you were. So you think, right, well, then I must be stupid. Yeah. And then you go in, and you're causing, you're disruptive. And then, they, and you know, it's because you've got energy, but they don't see it that way. And then you're good at stuff that they don't value. Yeah. So then you think you're fucking useless. Or good at stuff that isn't assessed. Yeah, like there's so, no exams yeah, so you for... think well, that's, it was pointless then so yeah. I'm stupid and I'm useless and every time it was going it was stripping away the confidence it was really stripping it away badly Yeah. so I was very lucky that I had a short fuse that when I was 16 I just went I'm getting the fuck out of here because yeah. it really did it was for me it was the best decision you know Yeah. I but got I lucky that way I think that's a good way to lead into the first time you felt laughed at because oh, did you feel yeah. laughed at in school yeah, a little bit, yeah. By teachers or whatever. But, well, no, it was one, it was a teacher and she was she was a pretty decent teacher, but she didn't get that I didn't get maths, right? I'm like um, discalculus, you know, or not discalculus. Is that what it's called? I can't even remember the is fucking it like, name. Is it like maths dyslexia? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. what it is, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's, um, uh, and, and I remember really, really struggling bad with what was probably, I don't remember what the problem was, but something really simple. Yeah. So as usual, I started making an idiot out of myself in the class, you know, start trying to make people laugh. I don't get this, so fuck, I like laughing, I'll just do that. And then she called me out of the class and got me up in front of what was a really simple problem and uh, told me to sort it out, you know. And I couldn't, do, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And then I could hear a couple of lads snickering. And then, you know, you get that red face, face oh flush, that whole shit. Yeah. And like, I I've never had a problem standing in front of people. But when you're standing in front of people and then you realise you are now, you're now the, the focus of ridicule. It starts to really mess with your head. And for the first time, you know, you don't you yeah. think that happens to other people yeah, exactly. out, outside the bus, you know. And Especially uh, if you were someone in the class who made people laugh, you probably would have been, you would have been cool. Ah, uh, yeah, well, yeah, like, we were young, like, it was primary school, so, you know, you think everything's stupid, like, you know, yeah. like, it's when you, when somebody says 69, you think it's the funniest thing in the world, <laughs> you know, what number comes I, after I 69, do. and you're like, oh, you fool, oh, Jesus. When I see a 69 Dublin bus, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Well, there you go. And maybe the answer to the question was 69. So it was, maybe that was what they were laughing at. I don't know. Uh, but it really fucked me up. Like, it was it was so horrible. It was such a horrible moment. Yeah. I'll never forget. I still feel the heat in my face even I thinking know, about isn't, it. Isn't mad. Yeah, yeah. And was, it was probably the first time I realised, like, laughter can really be used as a weapon, you know? Yeah. Probably the first time. I didn't realise it in those, as many words, but I remember feeling... So bad, and, so and humiliated, just so embarrassed. Jesus, so um, shame, proper shame. Yeah. Baz talked a bit about that uh, in in his episode where he was talking about how he used to be slagged for being the Egyptian lad called Basil or whatever, and yeah. that was how he said he kind of started to make people laugh because he kind of went and laugh at himself. He kind of went, if I can laugh at myself, what do you have? Well, yeah, it takes the power away, doesn't it? Totally. It does. It's a, it's a, like, it's a tool. Yeah. It is a tool. A defense thing. Yeah, big time, yeah. Like, if you can make people laugh, you're taking all the tension out of a room. Yeah. You're taking someone's ability to insult you away because you're, you're telling them, I don't give a shit. What you say doesn't matter. Yeah. And then whatever you say to me, I'm going to say worse about myself anyway. So you're you're on the losing streak. Exactly. And then when everyone's laughing, then it's your turn. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? You're, it's your first time you're dealing with hecklers. <laughs> In your life, you know, uh, you're learning all the time how to use laughter to your benefit, to yeah. change situations or diffuse situations. Or, yeah, definitely. So would sure. it have been school when you felt first laughed at? Yeah, it, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it's happened a million times since, since then. But thankfully, like it kept happening. Like, you know, thankfully it kept happening because all my stand up has always been about yeah. how I get myself into the stupidest situations, like <laughs> shit that should never happen to an adult. You know, the, like, and, and that's, I'd say a lot of my stand-up is, my last show was called Dickhead, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I called my show Dickhead and basically compiled an hour and a half of stories that were completely humiliating and put them on the stage. That was what I did. Because uh, I think that shit's funny. I think that shit's funny. One of my favourite, one of your... Uh, stand-up moments ever was Vodafone Comedy Festival I think it wasn't last summer summer before the shower the sex oh, in the shower oh yeah yeah I love doing that and you know that's like a six minute bit and there's no talking in it yes there's yes. no talking that was it It was, and it was like so I was proud of that because <laughs> like you're up there for six minutes doing nothing except making moving. noises and moving your body <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, okay. it's good. I, like, but I, like, this other, like the, the embarrassment stories I was telling, I told the story on stage and I don't know how I made myself tell it because it was, it was the most mortifying moment of my life, right? Yeah. I went into a GP's and I had, two, I had two problems. I was like, I couldn't hear well out of my ear, out of my right ear. Yeah. And because I'm a man, I won't go with one problem. I have to save up and get value, <laughs> right? So I needed two problems to go to the GP. So I was I'm walking around deaf, whatever, it doesn't, whatever, I can fucking just turn the other ear, Grant. And then uh, I, I was starting to go to the toilet and it was burning, right? I was getting a little burn. Right, now's the time. 50 quid, fucking I'll suck it up, right? And I went, <laughs> I went to the doctor. And uh, he just looked at me, it was just a bit of wax, syringe the ear, you know, which is horrible. It feels like he actually oh, has a piss ha inside I, your I've head. I've had it, yeah, it's gross. It's horrible. Yeah. Like. Uh, so he does that, and then he walks back to his desk, and he says, tell me about your other problem. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's, I don't know, like, it's just when, when I pee, it burns, you know. And uh, he opened up his desk, um, you know, he has his back turned, he opened up his desk, and he took out, like, this, a needle, like, no. the length of that, like, like, uh, like about two foot, right? And... I'm taking down my trousers behind him and I was thinking if he thinks he's putting that inside my monkey chain there's, there's going to be a fight like that's not happening uh, and I pulled down my undercrackers and the jeans and he turned around with the spike he put a little sort of a pad thing on the top yeah. 
and he jumped and started cleaning my ear with the spike after I did the piss. And then he gave me a little tub and says, I just need a urine sample. And I was standing there with my cacks around my ankle, just looking the man in the face. And, <laughs> and he never mentioned it. He never mentioned it. So, yeah, so I just had to pull up my That's pants. That's even worse that he didn't say it. No, he never meant He just handed me the little thing. I had to just pull up my pants and shuffle off into And I didn't even go to the toilet for it. I couldn't go. I was so mortified. So I just... <laughs> Sitting down on top of a closed toilet with my head in my hands going, you moron. Oh my God. How am I going to go back in there with a tub of piss after this? I can never look that person in the face again. I was thinking maybe I'll just text them and leave it on the toilet. (laughs) And they'll run away. Because there's no way I can go in there. Yeah, I know it's terrible. But it's not as bad. It's not as bad as another lad I know who was asked for. What? Turned out I only had a swollen ureter, right? It was grand. So yeah. it literally was a couple of tablets and it was gone. Yeah. But another, another, you could cut this out if you want. Another lad I know went in. Uh, he was had the same problem, but he had had sex with someone quite recently beforehand. We didn't know. And he went into the doctor and they gave him the little tub and said he needed a sample. Yeah. And he went in and had a wank. No! <laughs> <laughs> He said he was in there for like 15 minutes. He said he couldn't believe he was being asked this. Ridiculous. He's not even a bleeding. Dorothy picked her out and he didn't know what to do with himself. And he brought him back. No, he did Yeah. Yeah, it's the worst. What happened? It was years ago. Well, I don't know. I, I never really cared past that point. <laughs> but I presume he was sent back or told never to come back there ever again but after you do those moments you never go back to those doctors never. I have a much better doctor now who explains things much more thoroughly and I love her so thanks Nazima you're brilliant okay the moment when if you didn't laugh you'd cry PJ um, it's been, there's been a few they all revolve around death I mean not to be too morbid about it but they do I remember my old man dying was, was fucking horrendous uh, he died. He got cancer in nights uh, twenty years this year. He got cancer and just went downhill really quick. Uh, and my old man was a like he was a soft man. You know what I mean? Mm. Soft like so. Watching him go through that shit was so. I just all humor was gone. Everything was all that good side was gone. Like it was just so fucking dark. It was such a horrible time. I remember he went into uh, he drank a lot like and I went he went into the Iron Air Hospital. Mm. And then he obviously was off booze for a long time or whatever. And I, that, during that process, I kind of really only got to know him, yeah. you know, yeah. when that was happening. So I really had this short window where I got to know this man I'd spent my life living with, you know. I'm in my 20s and I'm literally just getting, to, I'm just getting to know this man well. And as I'm getting to know him, I'm watching him waste away in front of my eyes. And that was a fucking horrendous time. That yeah. was horrendous. Yeah. Like it was just so hard. I just remember it being so hard. Although when it was over, it was over. I think I kind of did all the grieving almost in the process. Like in so when it when it was over, like uh, I remember getting better qu- pretty quick. Really? Yeah. yeah. And that was the, I got into motorbikes m- almost immediately after. I'd never ridden a motorbike before, and Jason Bourne gave me a go on his motorbike, uh, and I remember like just for the first time ever. Uh, and I'll, I'll never forget it. I think I've been chasing the same feeling ever since. I got onto the motorbike and I just I went. I was in Clontarf and I went down Hollybrook Road, turned onto the coast. I'd never been on a bike before, so I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Like things were making noise and shit and whatever. <laughs> but I got onto it. It was just it was just moving, and I, just 
a release. It was just this release for it's for I wasn't happy or sad or depressed or anxious or anything. Nothing. Just fucking alive for the yeah. first time in a very long time. And I just remember feeling things were alright. Things are alright. Like and that was the first time since then. I've ridden a bike every day since for twenty have years. You yeah. I probably have, yeah. Like when I have well, I say every day, probably haven't, but like I've been, it's been the most important place for me is to be on a motorcycle ever since. I've chased that feeling like crazy. Like I went into racing, went into the whole lot. When I got completely obsessed with it, and all. I think it's probably that same feeling, you know. Uh, but that that was yeah, that was really dark. And like and then, I know it sounds ridiculous, but when my dog died, fucking that, hell, that was horrendous. Ridiculous. That is, it's a horrendous thing. It was absolutely horrific. It's like it's like a family member, but it's actually sometimes and especially when I saw the vet put him in a black bag. That's bad fucking manners. Like, honestly, you know what I mean? If you put me down a black bag, there'd be a row. And I think they're not dog people. Some vets aren't dog people. They're fucking not. They hang That's around why, with cats or something. Yeah. And then you're, you're there, you're with your best mate. And he's in my kitchen. And he gave my best mate a lethal injection. Who did nothing wrong. He's only a dicky legs. If he was a human, we got another 40 years out of fucker. No, because he's a dog, he's gone. And he gave my best mate a lethal injection. When he was looking me in the eyes... Right? And he dies in front of me. Shakes. Stops shaking. And fucking dies in front of me. And they put him in a black sack. I said, you fucking prick. Could you not have waited? Could you not have waited? Is your car really that precious, you fucking prick? You put him in a black sack in front of me. Like, you could have waited. You could have given me ten minutes. You could have given me the sack. I would have done the job, or I would have, I would have, I would have prepared a better sack. You know what I mean? I would have prepared my own fucking sack if I hadn't known that was where it was going to go. I wasn't aware this was what was going to happen. It was so sad. So wait, it was the, so sad. Did, I, the, did the vet take the dog? Yeah, he did. He put him in the boot. I don't know where the fuck. I never well, sure, know where he took him. He probably threw him in his fire, the prick. But I, <laughs> but it was so sad. Why didn't you keep him to bury him? I don't know if you're allowed to do that. Are you, you are. We did that. Well, we did that years ago when we lived out in Marino. And then we got another dog. And the first thing he did was dig up the old dog. And I was like, no, that's... I, I don't want to ever go through that again. You know, you've got your new dog <laughs> with the leg bone no, of your old dog. No. And you're like, it's a, it's a... I don't know. I'm not able for that shit. That oh. shit's too dark. It's not for me. Well, no, it's there is something so sad about a pet dying. It, oh, it's it, horrific. It's almost worse than a family member because... <laughs> They, it is worse than a family member. Do you know what the, sad, the, the, the absolutely heartbreaking thing about a dog is? They live for you and for you alone. That's it. Their whole life, I was doing yeah. a stand-up for years, their whole life is looking at the window yeah. so they can see something they can share with you. That's it. Looking at the window. Run, run, run. Yeah. Look, 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 look. Please, look, please. Oh, Jesus, look. Oh, look, please. You look, it's just another man with another dog. And he thinks it's amazing. He thinks it's amazing. I just and wanted to tell you. Just wanted to tell you. Just wanted to show you. And you know when your dog, talk about living in the moment. Imagine living in the moment like a dog. You know when your dog is outside looking in through a glass door or something. Yeah. He's like, let me in, please. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, let me in. Please, I, please. I, have something, I need to do something. It's so important. PJ fucking hell, let me in. You let him in. What do you want to do? I want to go out. That's it. <laughs> One, it's just about the process. It's just about the process. Yeah, there's nothing like them. Living in the moment, like only we can only ever dream of. Nothing like them. I love, I love dogs so much. I really, really do. There's a, there's a thesis in that, in in the way a dog lives their life. Oh, there really is. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like the Buddhists and shit. That's what they're trying to do: is live like domesticated animals. <laughs> 
That's literally living in the moment, isn't it? Eating the same shit every day. It's not even tasty. <laughs> out, of a, out of an old bag and thinking it's the best thing in the world. Every day. Shite in the garden. You know what I mean? All they want to do is see your face. Living in the moment. That's it. A warm bed. Like, it's the simplest, most so brilliant simple. life. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> the dream. Okay, right, PJ. Your no laughing matter moment in life. I thought I just gave it to you, you didn't, didn't I? No. You gave the if I didn't laugh I'd cry. Oh fuck. I thought I gave you that one. <laughs> um No laughing matter. A moment where you went, This is shit's hitting the fan here. Shit, I pretty much thought I gave you that. Um <laughs> Uh, this is why I should have read the notes, isn't it? This is why I should have done more than scanned them. What about your career? Because you've had an unbelievable <clears throat> career. That's and a good laugh, yeah. <clears throat> and you're still, like, pretty young for someone who's achieved so much. I don't know about that. Am I, I I'm you half are. dead. You're oh, yeah. I'm, the average life expectancy... I'm not more than half dead. <laughs> I think the average life expectancy of a man learns is 82, isn't it? So I'm halfway through 40... I'm 80 fucking 8. Am I? 80 fucking 8. I am. So I'm more than half dead. I am. But in the midst of all of that, right? In the midst of all of the greatness and all of the brilliant gigs that you've done and the amazing roles that you've got, were there any, ever any moments where you kind of went, oh God, I don't know now if there's going to be another gig. Or I don't know if oh, I'm going to... Oh yeah. Oh Jesus, yeah. Yeah. Every single time we finish a show, <clears throat> I think there's not another one in me. Like every single time. And I also remember, because I was gigging for 10 years, and it was kind of going all right. Like, it was all right. Yeah. And you didn't really get a break, you know. And then I remember getting a phone call from a guy called Liam McGrath. And he says, we're doing this hidden camera show <clears throat> for RTE. Sorry. <laughs> now it's gone. And he goes, would you come in and do an audition piece for us or something? And I said, no. I was like, I've, I'm done. I'm finished. What? Yeah. I was like, I'm finished. I've had enough of this shit. I was like, I'm 10 years doing it. And it's not working out. And I, I had a feeling I was good at it. And to be honest, that's all I needed. Because I, when I, whatever I was good at, I was going to do. I, it didn't really matter what that was. Yeah. I just wanted to feel like I was good at something. My confidence was always weirdly down. So I just wanted to feel like I was good at something. Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of had felt that with stand-up. I felt I was good at talking to people and communicating. I liked people, you know. Uh, and it just wasn't happening. It just wasn't happening. And I was really down on it. Uh, so he said, would you do it at the gig? And I said, no. And I, I just said, no, I'm done. I'm going to go away on my bike and I'm going to reassess my life when I get back. Yeah. Uh, so I got my bike and I just literally left and went off around Europe and headed off around into Eastern Europe, down as far as Romania and the Albanian border. That's as far as I got before the border guard says, don't come in, they'll take your bike off. You don't grant. So I turned around and went to Greece. Uh, I went to, back to Italy. I mean, I got very... Uh, and I started to work my way home. And when I got back, like that was a few months, like, and I got back and uh, if whatever little amount of money I had before I left, I had really nothing left now. So I rang him on the off chance and just says, look, I don't suppose you're still looking for people. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, hidden camera show RTE, it's going to be shite, right? <laughs> it will, like, it'll be shite. <laughs> so if I can do it, at least no one's going to see it. So I'll just go in and I'll do it if, I, if they'll have me, or at least I'll audition for it. I probably won't get it anyway. And I went in and did the uh, audition tape. And the audition tape ended up being the first sketch we ever showed in Naked Camera. Stop. Yeah. And that was probably the lowest point. Uh, and then, of course, Naked Camera just became this 
sort of animal, you know, yeah. for a while. It just grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. And then I fucked it all up by making the Jake Stevens show because that was shit. Uh, but that was... Uh, it was, though. But you have but, to go with these But things. you have to go with these things and you yeah. have to take chances. We blew it because the biggest character in Naked Camera was Dublin City. Yeah. And then we cut that character out and went to the States and it's not the same. Yeah. And it has its moments. Like, the, the you know, the preacher guy with the bananas. Yeah. A great moment. Uh, but it wasn't the same. Uh, and that, that was hard as well, coming back from that and then realising, like, you know, because you go from all the papers and all the radio stations saying, this is great and we love it and we love it and we love it to Jay's that shit. I know. Uh, so you I have know. to suck that up. And, and that you was hard. And try and convince yourself not to care and, and, and move along. But it's so hard. Yeah, you get carried away. I yeah. see, I've learned now, if you believe the good, you have to believe the bad. Exactly. So I hate good reviews. Do I you, fucking yeah. hate them because you know just, the bad ones are coming. Because I know what it means. It just means there's more shit coming. Yeah. Uh, so you believe, and that's the way. And that's the st- I didn't know it. So I was reading everything, thinking this is fantastic. Ah, oh, they love this shit. Oh, I love it. Oh, this is great. There was no such thing as Twitter. Like I mean, it was yeah. in the dark. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there was no one. <laughs> no one's able to get you. <laughs> uh, so it was brilliant. Like no, th- it's like that. And then bang, it was gone. It was gone because yeah. we made a show that admittedly wasn't brilliant you know wasn't very good so uh so you had to suck that one up and take and that hit like a hammer then and then i thought i was found out then you're like that's the end of that now you fucking idiot you you got found out you let them all see your shit you fucking idiot and i remember going into this spin you know i'm never going to gig again and oh jesus and you know all the gigs were always selling well they still sell well but you know I did a gig, I think, in Killarney, right? Which I hate gigging in Killarney. I go down every year and I have a staring match. That's it. We have a staring match. It's not a gig. It's a fucking staring match. I look at 200 people that turn up determined not to laugh and I turn up determined to finish the show. And we all hate it and it always happens. And it's happened for years, right? Why do you think that is? I don't fucking know. I wish they'd just leave me alone. I would, Why I, do they I, buy maybe the they wish I'd leave them alone. I don't know, it's disagreement we have. They come and don't laugh and I stare at them and they stare at me <laughs> and it's really awkward and we all go home and think, thank fuck we survived. <laughs> and I've been that for years with them. And then after we did the Jake Stevens show or the Making Jake show, I went back and did it again. Oh, but this was the one that mattered. This was the shit gig that mattered. This, oh, this was the shit gig that was signifying the end of the career. The other three shit gigs from the last three years, no, that was just them being arseholes. But this was the one that was going to finish me. Everyone's going to hear about this. There's someone in here from the Irish Times that's upset. <laughs> and he's going to write a letter and it's going to fuck it all up. And, and of course, that doesn't happen. It's no. a load of bollocks. No. Like, you have one bad gig a year. That's what it is. And you get carried away with your own shit too. Yeah. And that was it. That was... I know it sounds ridiculous, but they were, they, they were dark times. Yeah. But, uh, but you know... You, you, it's not plain sailing. Like, it's... it's no, but you learn. I and think. people would look at you and go, oh my God, he must like... It's just gone from strength to strength for him. And he, there's yeah, no way he's had bad... T- yeah. Not at all. And then sitting down and writing new shows, like I haven't done stand up, and then I, I was suffering awful with stage fright, like for a long time. I did a documentary about, yeah, like the, just uh, I don't know, it was just the production of the shows. Like, once I have a show up and running, I'm grand, but just getting that stage is torture, yeah. it's torture, it's so scary. And I haven't done stand up again for a, a while. I don't even feel like a stand up comedian anymore, to be honest with you, really. Yeah, it's been a while, you know. Uh, I'm turning down all the festivals and everything at Are the moment, you? yeah, I am, yeah. I think I like the routine of the life, though. I think I kind of got to a stage last year where I kind of had to ask myself, how much is enough? Yeah. And what do you want? You can't do it all. And I love doing radio at the minute. And it takes the, f- the shit out of, the shitty part of stand-up away. The, I like that, the horrible thing is it takes the good part of stand-up away. Yeah. But it takes the, that bit, that laborious, you know, 
sitting there trying to write gags that you know are shit for hours and forgetting you only need a minute a day, you yeah, know, yeah. and I'm working on that. It just, it takes all that away, you know, but yeah. it does mean I'm enjoying for the first time ever, a sort of a regimented routine style life. Yeah. And I am enjoying it. Are like you? I really am. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you're so. loving radio. Yeah, I'm loving radio. I'm loving getting up in the morning. Are you? Yeah, 20 years doing gigs at night and you realise you're a morning person, which is a bit <laughs> stupid. Yeah, but I do love it, yeah. What time are you up? And work with other people. Like yeah. a fucking comedian for 20 years driving a van. You're like a courier. That's all you are. You're just delivering jokes. <laughs> you drive, you get into your van, you drive for two hours, you deliver jokes, you talk to people who aren't allowed to talk back and then you get back and drive home. And would you be wrecked after a gig? No, not really. Would you be no, buzzing? buzzing, yeah, would you? yeah, yeah. Normally you're like kind of... Yeah, it's weird. I used to be dangerous driving back a bit because you get that one hour where you're like, you feel like you could run through a wall and then, of course, an hour later, all the adrenaline leaves your body and you're like falling asleep behind the wheel. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, so it's a bit like that, yeah. <laughs> okay, right. Next question. PJ, the person you always laugh with? Uh, oh, it's a friend, a friend of mine called Jared Vine. He's a fireman and I've known him my whole life. I mean, like, we've been friends since the very start. And uh, he's definitely, yeah, he's the, he makes me laugh. Just by owning a head, he makes me laugh. <laughs> you know, people who could just... You look at them and, and yeah. your face starts... And I don't get to see him enough, right? He's moved out to Wicklow and stuff because he's a man. He's like one of these weird men of the woods type heads on him. He loves just like wildlife and being outdoors. I fucking just like being in bed, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's into all that. Uh, and he makes me laugh so much like you know it's just stupidly when i'm with him i'm 10 i'm 10 years old with him yeah. all the time even when he tells shit jokes and you know you know that uh, you're annoying other people in your company yeah. when you find somebody else that funny you know what i mean <laughs> you know when, like when i've met him with other girlfriends and stuff and they're like he's not that funny you're like <laughs> yeah, he fucking is did you not hear the joke about what shoes the spiders wear? George Webbs. Oh! <laughs> and it's so shit. But you're just in rag on And you've probably built it up as well. You're really like, wait till you fucking yeah. meet my friend, Jer. The and funniest like <laughs> man that has ever lived. You're going, you're going to kill you. He's going to crack you up. And of course, it's like, you know, nobody's that funny. Uh, but for me, yeah, it cracks me up constantly. All the time. All and, the time. And you say he's a man about, what do you say, a man about the woods? Yeah, like he's, I shouldn't like him at all. He's a fireman. He's a good stand-up when he wants to be. He's really good looking bodybuilder style. Like he does everything. You should hate him. I should hate this fella. I shouldn't like him at all. But do you like the outdoors as well? That, that this, I'm trying to seamlessly go into this. Uh, the RNLI. Yeah, I do like it. Yeah. Tell me about it. Uh, tell the tell the story of how you got into it. Oh yeah, of course, because you're all man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you did the show. It's such a weird. It's a random story. Yeah, it's a whole load of things came together like around the same time. But I remember it was I moved to Dunleary, right? Me and uh, Mrs. Split up, and I moved to Dunleary, and <clears throat> I was out there. I didn't really know anybody, mm. and. Uh, it was around the time 116 went down. So that was in my head. You yeah. know, the helicopter went down. Yeah, yeah. And I always thought they were, like, you, I remember watching the, the show with Dara, you know, Captain Dara and yeah. the crew and everything. I just think it was this amazing show it's and all Patrick, that. Patrick, yeah. And I'm, I'm just out there. And then your dad books us to do a radio show on his boat. Uh, so we went down and did the show and we had a great day and it was all good cracking stuff. And um, on the way back, I met the mechanic from the local owner, the live station, Collie. And he's like... <laughs> He should, he, he should be recruiting people for the IRA or something, this fella. He, he'd get you to join that if you wanted. <laughs> uh, so I met him. And he's like, uh, how's it going, kid? You know, he's from y'all. Yeah. And I was like, all right, yeah. And uh, he goes, do you want to come into the station and have a look around? And like, because of just the interest of Spike, he goes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to go in and 
took me in. I think I spent about two or three hours with him that day, uh, just in the station. And then I was like, I want to do this. I just want. I knew I just wanted to do it, you know. Mad. Uh, maybe it was all I got carried away as well. I was out with your dad's boat. We were out in the water and it was all <laughs> nice and drinking coffee and it was deadly. You drinking know? coffee. Uh, yeah, off, just off the pier and it was a lovely day. And, and then he goes, he takes me in. So it all just felt like it was kind of happening for, for me. For a reason. Yeah, did a bit, yeah. So I said to him then, how do you join? And I thought you can sign up on the spot, which of course you can't. No. Yeah, so I, he let me think about it and then I met him a couple of weeks later and signed the forms and sent them off and got accepted onto the crew and I've been there ever since and I absolutely love it. Do you? Yeah, I love it. Is it just a headspace thing? I think it's just, yeah, I think it might be. I used to do blood bikes beforehand. I used to work on, do you know the blood bikes? No. So it's this service where um, you deliver blood from hospital to hospital or hospitals. So it's, so... Um, you run your shift is from seven at night to seven in the morning. So if somebody needs blood delivered to a hospital, uh, nice. if they need you deliver it. So you get it in one hospital, bring it to the other hospital. It's all done on this specially designed motorcycles. Uh, you also bring breast milk when it's needed to the infants from the uh, breast bank in from Mana down. Uh, you'd cross, I've never heard of that. Yeah, the blood bikes. Yeah, it's a great service. Yeah. And we used to, and then you could do cross country runs and. Yeah, there's all sorts of things if, if, like say if a guard gets stabbed with a needle you'd be able to take a sample of his blood get it to the UCD clinic faster than anybody can Yeah. so you'd, so I was doing that for a bit and uh, then I got the radio job and I had to quit it because it crossed over the shift Yeah. and I suppose I was looking for something to fill that hole as well uh, and I just like it I just like it like I just like and as well with Dunleary I got to know people in the area really fast yeah and that mattered, you know, because totally. I'm a north side lad, so <laughs> it felt like I was walking on Mars a couple of times when I went out there for us. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and it does feel like you're just giving something back. Yeah. It does. It just feels, it makes you feel good about so yourself. So how, you know? how many days a week do you go out with them? Uh, two and most what have weeks. And what have you encountered that's been scary or uh, everything? Like we got a paddleboard there a while ago that he was in an awful state. He was in an office day. He made it, like, um, which was good. And then, of course, there's the, you know, the stuff that nobody really talks about, mm. uh, the self-harm stuff and the suicide stuff. And yeah. we've seen a bit of that. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think the first time I saw that, that was a, that kind of messed up my head a little bit. Uh, but it's part of it. So I guess you kind of have to do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't want to really go into details because no, it's not fair to people that, Absolutely you know, not. But, no. but yeah, but there is that. And then I was chatting to people there, you know, one of the lads, Eamon, who he deals with that end of it. And he's saying like the amount of it that goes on, like every corner, he's saying from Bray all the way back through, he's he's got had incidents from all of those corners. It's just mad. You know, and I've only seen a couple, but I'm sure there's more in the way, which is sad, but yeah, but that's a part of it. But then that, that, you have to think as well, that's important too, you mm. know. Okay, a time when you had the last laugh, and it doesn't happen now. Every guest I've had, I've been like, I'm not really a laugh, last laugh kind of Oh, person. I am. No, I am. I'm quite, oh, yeah. No, I am. No, don't mind that. Yeah, no, I've heard that. Oh, I'm not really Go someone on. to laugh at someone else. I fucking am. I went, I like, when I was, it's school. It's school. Because I, like, I was, I hated school so much. I hated school. I loved it. I remember Bernard O'Shea saying this brilliant routine and he used to do this thing. If, it would be lovely if you were in Crow Park one day, right? And say the Lee McCarthy Cup at the final. You know the way it's on. Thanks to this person. Wouldn't it be great if just once somebody would go, yeah, there's a lot of people I want to thank, but first of all, the following people are fuckers. And he went through a whole list. You know, Mrs. Murray, Matt's class, sixth year, you're a fucker. You know, it'd be brilliant. It'd be so much better, right? Epic. It'd be so much better. I have, I mean, the reason I don't go to award shows and I don't is because the fucking fucker list would be out in the light. And they'd all, <laughs> it would be very like Please that. Please do 
that sometimes. Oh, I tell you, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. I won't say the names of them, but like they know who they are. And they were all teachers. They were all them fuckers. Telling me I was lazy. You'll never amount to anything. You're a fucking waste of space, Gallagher. Oh, yeah, I remember you. You fucking pricks. Every fucking one of you. And you are doing fuck all. I see some of them still around. Fucking jam sandwiches and bits of rotten tomato hanging out of their pockets. Smelling like tobacco. You wankers. You fucking hate the children then. And we still fucking did all right for ourselves, you pack of pricks. I fucking... Best thing that could ever happen is that place be burned to the fucking ground. And you know what I'm talking about? That kip up a Rahini. Wank box of a place. They hated us. They cared for about six fucking kids in the top <laughs> class. And the rest of us weren't even left to hold bowls properly. You shower a fucking cunts. It was fucking crap. And every one of them can kiss my fucking Melanie-shaped hole. <laughs> So that's the last laugh. I did all right, and I hope it fucking kills you. I hope it kills you. <laughs> oh my god! That is fucking gold. Oh my god! That Unbelievable! Is amazing. Oh, they were. Please fucking. do that verbatim if you ever win an award. Please. Can you imagine? Oh. Can you imagine? Yeah. Right, this podcast isn't worthy isn't worthy of that rant. That was you see, fucking brilliant. Or someone's hitting the front of you. I'm getting ready for his lifetime achievement. And you too. I like you, but you can fuck off because I can't stop myself. <laughs> <laughs> Telling people to piss off that you like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus. Okay, right. Um, PJ Gallagher. If laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Uh, dogs waking up. Do you ever go to sleep? Do you ever go to sleep, right? Have a, a day snooze, you know, that's, and you wake up and you don't know what time it is. Yes. And at the same time, two dogs wake up in the bed with you. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Never. That's the best feeling in the world. Oh my that's God. the best feeling in the world. I don't give a shit. Do you There's have two no, dogs? I have three. Yeah, one of them's getting on. Now, one oh of them's getting on. God. She's getting old. But she's the best one. I prefer her to the other two. I'll be honest with you, I do prefer her. We all have favourites, let's be honest. <laughs> she's amazing. She's my rescue dog from Dog's Trust and she's my best pal. Uh, but the other two are amazing. Uh, and yeah, I love spending time with dogs. Like walking the dogs on my own, listening to audiobooks, that sort of shit. I, like, I, I just don't have enough time to do that. Yeah. I love it. I love waking up in the bed with animals. And anyone says your dog doesn't belong in your bed, doesn't belong in a fucking house. Like, <laughs> the dogs... I do belong in the bed. That's what they're for. They're domesticated animals. People to make it out like you're sleeping with snakes. They're dogs, man. They exist to make us happy. Like, you, like you're supposed to sleep with your dogs. You're supposed to sleep with your dogs. I don't know your dogs. I don't know. You're supposed to sleep with your dogs. I don't know what that's about. I don't know. I'm sort of turning into a hound. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, so that's what I yeah, and sleeping with sleeping with dog, waking up with from a from a good long nap with dogs. That's the best medicine in the world. Okay. Yeah. I like that answer. Okay, quick fire round. Are you ready? Right. Okay, Jesus Christ. The movie you always laugh at. Oh, um the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> what the fuck? No, it's not. It's trading places. I love trading places. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, I don't know why. It's totally politically incorrect nowadays, but I love it. It's just brilliant. Eddie Murphy is amazing. It? Okay, the actor or actress that you always laugh at? That you always laugh at? <sighs> Jesus. It's probably Eddie Murphy. I know that's I'm, I'm copying myself, but it's probably Eddie Murphy. Yeah. yeah. I love characters. I love people that play characters. Yeah. And uh, he's like, Coming to America. You ever watch Coming to America? No. He plays literally everyone in the whole movie. Practically. Stop. Yeah, it's really selfish, but it's amazing. <laughs> Okay, uh, the book. Are you a reader? Yeah, oh, well, yeah, more than audiobooks these days. Yeah, but, yeah. What audiobook have you laughed out loud at? 
have I la- Richard Pryor's life story they're all comedy based it's a bit sad isn't it no. uh, Richard Pryor's la- life story and it's because it's tragic it's hilarious yeah. he tells his tragic story in the best way okay. uh, and he's got this amazing story it's kind of horrific but it's amazing uh, when he talks about how his father died so his father died having sex with a prostitute in his house right and he says he's the only man that came and went at the same time <laughs> and I remember reading that thing the funniest that made me laugh out loud for a long time oh I was like it's so dark that it's is. so dark but it's so fucking hilarious to get a gag out of it and about his dad and it's his dad it's his brother's dad everything about it is so wrong and then he talks about how he set himself on fire and he says it was just an accident that his cookie fell into the milk and a chemical reaction set the bed on fire and it's so dark but it's hilarious it's hilarious okay uh, the comedian you always laugh at Jason Bourne he got me into it I know it sounds ridiculous but he got me into it like if you see my style of comedy and his style they're very similar and it's basically because I kind of copied him (laughs) You know, I kind of did. He was the only stand-up I used to see and he is the only comedian I know that can do four nights in Vicar Street and not repeat himself once. Really? And that's amazing. Okay. Yeah, he's the, he's the best live stand-up. Okay. And your worst joke? My worst joke? Yeah. See, it's going to sound funny now because it's... Well, no, maybe it won't, right? So there's this, right? So there's this duck walks into a bar, right? And... Uh, <laughs> and... He's saying to the barman, I can't get a fucking job, man. I just can't get a job. Times are shit. It's hard enough getting a place to live being a talking duck. But you want to try getting a fucking job being a talking duck. And the barman goes, have you not gone over? There's a circus over the road. You go over there and ask them for work. And he goes, so what the fuck would they want with a carpenter? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. PJ Gallagher. Thank you so much for sharing the laughs of your life. No, it's thanks for having me. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I need therapy badly, don't I? Like, can we do this next week? How much would it cost? Thank you for listening to the laughs of your life. I hope you enjoyed it. If there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch. Tweet me at Theron Garrahy. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and all those other things. This podcast is recorded in collaborative studios. Yeah.